0: Mm. Mm-hmm. you. Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast where we discuss common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. I'm Lena. I'm Matt Miller.
1: I'm Matt Henry, and I'm Mark. So we decided that five minutes ago that you were mocking me. Well,
2: well, that's no. I was on. just
1: mocking you, but we decided something five minutes ago that we are going to do a little promo.
0: Yes, we're going to grow up and be real podcasters. Be real
2: podcasters. It's time. We're like, how many are we? How many of us do we have now? This is 31. 32. 32. Are you serious? This is 32. Yeah, 32. Like 32. At some point,
3: we actually qualify as a podcast.
2: Yeah, we're not just a bunch of dudes we're throwing up some mics anymore. Like, and a dudette. Hey, we were oh, uh, yeah, yeah, we yeah, were yeah, top yeah. 12 in... Uh,
0: Where was it? Oh, United Arab, United Arab Emirates. <laughs>
2: <laughs> nice. Are oh, you <laughs> we're the
1: podcast. Uh, yeah. I think it was
0: like 18 and it was oh, maybe 18. for a day, but...
1: Yeah. Hey, we, mean, we were in. Yeah. Have we broken 200 yet in the US? No. Oh. So we're
2: still. Uh, but it's always Marie in our genre. In the top 300? It's in our genre.
0: Uh, I, I don't know. I haven't checked. But the way for us to become <laughs> in the top 200.
2: This is what we got. Yeah.
0: Is for people to take the time out of their day and write a review on iTunes, preferably a five star. But take the time. If you really like it, then you should say something about it because that helps us reach, I don't know how, but somehow it helps us reach a profound amount of people.
2: Tag us in things, share things, like things. Tell your friends about it. I so, mean, <laughs> tell let me be the one that
0: verbally Gervon. expresses Gervon. how
2: stupid I am. I
0: didn't know that. Yeah, it's true.
3: So, in some way, when people actually go more than just like, they actually rather view it.
0: helps. Yeah, it does. So, okay, when I we first when that, we first started, cool. when we first started, we were just you know under the genre of spirituality or whatever. And so, when you scroll down, you'd see recommended podcasts, and it would be Joel Olstein or whatever. You know, really? whatever the top spiritual, like Furtick. Uh,
3: he has, no, he has they're a podcast. Top ranking. Well, well, they're it's sermons. Their sermons. They're sermons. Well, that turned, well, I think they they're not even sermons, but that's a separate topic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead.
0: But <laughs> as people started giving us reviews and stuff like that, if you noticed, you'll go down and you'll see podcasts like The Briefing or Sheologians or Doc and Devo because they're similar to us and similar to our theology because people who rate and review listen to them too. And so the, Way that that I works is that, that you know they see what you like. Hey, we're, we're in the pipeline to. now. Yeah, we are. We're yeah. in that reform. Those are our peers. Pipeline. Yep. So.
3: So we need them help to help more of our peers. Say find that us. again, then, for my sake. What do we need them to do?
0: Five star review. <laughs> well, shut on up. I don't know
3: what's going on. I'm an g- old guy. True.
2: I'm learning here. Thanks too, for honestly. agreeing with that, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> so five star. Five stars. Review.
0: Say something nice. Yeah. Or say something. Tag us on not Instagram. Nice. Like or stuff. No. So we're, what we're going to do though? If they got
3: something to say that's not nice, they ought to, like, send me a message first,
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> and yeah. I'll respond we need, graciously. We need to be able to
0: censor. <laughs> no. <laughs> well,
3: we've actually had a couple of complainers, but then sure. we had that. I, I actually messaged him, and we yeah, had we a we conversation. actually talked about it, and then yeah. worked it
2: all out. So yeah, yeah. but so we're going to do a giveaway.
3: Right. W- we did gonna,
2: decide that it's
1: going to involve books. Books. Coffee stuff.
2: Possibly Co- a coffee mug. Possibly. Or I thought 72 we, of them. <laughs> no, you're not kidding. All 72 of them. But. Or 144 of them. Okay. Merch. Yeah, that kind of stuff.
0: So like and share. Don't just listen to it. Like and share. Yeah. But do listen to it as well.
2: Yeah.
1: That was helpful, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so with this excellent transition, let's talk about the Trinity. We're talk about the Trinity.
0: Everybody's uh, rewinded right through that. I bet you.
1: Yeah, they're hitting that little fifteen-second thingy. What yeah. <laughs> speaks for more the Trinity than podcast? Roles. Yeah.
3: I just discovered that fifteen-second thing. Oh, it's <laughs> a glorious invention. I had no idea. I was like trying to swipe and I couldn't. I was. Tell people the get through our intro music. I was
2: just going to say how many people. Which shame. I want to. I want to put that out there. If you do the 15 second intro for the beginning of our it. podcast, for the music, just let us know somehow.
0: You get to be a top We
2: want to know. Like, I, I like it, but I mean. Some people don't. So, some people don't. I mean, for mixed, mixed uh, feelings about it. I think it should be nil Diamond, but. <laughs> uh, hey, hey. Again, I'm an old guy. The trick um, is you got to um. turn, trick is you gotta turn the, the subs on your car all the way up. Yeah. Yeah. That's the idea. Then you'll be good. So Trinity.
0: Once again. <laughs> yeah.
2: Try to reel
1: this in here, <laughs> <Yeah>. man. <laughs> oh, I'm trying. Um, so we we talked about, so we're doing a series on the Trinity here and it's going to keep going. I don't know how long, but we're just going to keep doing it. But we, um, we we start out by talking about why to contemplate the person of God and how that's our highest calling as human beings. And so we've also discussed some of the common heresies related to the Trinity. you give me a weird look. I'm just thinking that you have your Krab
3: Maga t-shirt on, and then I was thinking the MAGA, and then I went to Trump, and then I thought you would <laughs> oh be like beaten You're up and it's not in red. a milkshake oh, would no. be thrown on you. Yeah, except it says Krab before the MAGA. Yeah, but some people wouldn't look that far.
0: Worldwide MAGA. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah, it looks just like that. <laughs> Bring the torches. Bam. Oh, well, pro is real. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> it's a glimpse into how my mind works and it's not a pretty thing. Anyway, let's
1: bring it let's, back to why we are doing the Trinity. Something that actually matters. Yes. Um, so we saw in light of that, though, those overwhelming statements about the oneness of God and that there is no other God besides him. Um, and how then in in light of that, the Bible also speaks about the plurality of God and how it has this comfortable transition in talking about the oneness of God and also the plurality of God without blinking or even taking a breath. And so um, we left off, I think last time, by talking about, how or a caution not to use these analogies to describe god like water he is not a four-leaf clover three-leaf clover
3: (laughs) whatever he's not it he's not an egg
1: he's not a tree and he's not a sunshine beam yeah so all of those analogies in some way default you into some kind of heresy yep right so that's why we don't do those um so we say just leave god as this inherent mystery um so what we want to do right now is just talk about several passages throughout the Bible, um, just about the Trinitarian nature of God. So we've done oneness and then plurality. So now we're just going to do Trinity in general. Um, And it occurs way more frequently than most people, I think, realize. Um, Partly because of how we read. Uh, We don't grasp what we're reading. Eyes tend to just pass over many things. And we also have this nasty habit of taking verses out of context. Yep, very Um, much so. So in light of that, all right, kick so off.
3: I can't recall, but I think we looked at some of these briefly last time. Um, yeah, but, we want to mention some. Um, regardless, we're going to do it again. The first passage is out of Isaiah. In fact, there's a few in the Old Testament that are really fascinating. You want to read the Check. Isaiah 48 passage?
0: Come near to me, listen to this. From the first I have not spoken in secret. From the time it took place, I was there. And now the Lord God has sent me and his spirit.
3: All right, so that's out of Isaiah forty-eight sixteen, And so the question is, who is the me? Because it says, come near to me, listen to this. And then it mentions that the Lord God and the word God there is Yahweh. Uh, so the Lord God sent me. So the important thing here is to figure out who the me is. And the only way you can do that is go backward you guys know that, right? It's called the antecedent. We have to figure out who the antecedent to the me or you or them. So you read backward until you find out who it is. And you go all the way back to verse two and that's where you finally find out who it is that's talking. And you find out that it's Yahweh. So Yahweh is now listing, then lists all these things that he alone has done. And so in like verse three, it says, I declared the former things long ago. And they went forth from my mouth and I proclaimed them. Suddenly I acted and they came to pass. Here it's Yahweh. And then in verse nine, for the sake of my name, I delay my wrath and for my praise, I restrain it for you in order not to cut you off, talking about Israel. And then in verses 12 and 13, listen to me, O Jacob, even Israel whom I have called, I am he, I am the first, I am also the last. Surely my hand founded the earth And my right hand spread out the heavens when I call them and they stand together. And right in, in, along with that, then in verse 16, he says, come near to me. Listen to this. The Lord God or the Lord Yahweh has sent me and his spirit. So right away you have mixed in there. You have this Trinitarian statement of Yahweh being sent by Yahweh as well as his spirit. That's a really
1: cool passage. It is, yeah. Very complex, but yeah. Um, another one would be Isaiah sixty-one in verse one. This one I like even more. Yeah, uh, it says, "The spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners." And then, as we know, this is of course, I'm gonna be preaching on this one soon. So I'm actually very, very soon excited. Next, yeah. Actually, um, it, it's this is picked up by Jesus then in Luke chapter four. Um, and says that he's actually the fulfillment of this very passage. Mm. It's, I mean, no wonder he got killed. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> well, especially ID. as we work this out. Yeah. You can see why they were very upset with this. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, the reference here in Isaiah, uh, here is prophetically, of course, speaking of the coming Messiah, who we know to be Jesus. Uh, but it also mentions the spirit and Yahweh in the passage. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there, there's more than that then. Uh, if you were actually to consider or continue to read through the Isaiah 61 passage, you'd, you'd see that the me there, who we just acknowledged is the Messiah or Jesus Christ, continues to state that he's going to do, um, state what he's going to do, and then also what Israel's going to experience by way of, of a blessing. Right. And so
3: to be clear then, it's talking about the Messiah and what the Messiah is going to do. and it And so
1: that's what you're going to read now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's no shift in who's speaking. None. Right. So then he goes on here in verse seven and eight, he says, instead of your shame, you will have a double portion. And instead of humiliation, they will shout for joy over their portion. Therefore they will possess a double portion in their land. Everlasting joy will be theirs for I, the Lord love justice. I hate robbery and the burnt offerings and I will faithfully give them their recompense and make an everlasting covenant with them." And so we now have the idea of the Messiah here clearly being someone far more than just an under God or demigod or a great man or something right. like that. Um, rather the Messiah figure here is is in some way also Yahweh, but he's also then anointed by Yahweh and also has the spirit of, of Yahweh upon him. That's yeah. which... <laughs> I, I, that's. It's heavy.
3: Yeah. I mean, that's really heavy. Yeah. But if you only look at one or two verses, which is a horrible way to read the, uh, the, the prophets, right. um, you're, you're going to say, oh, that's Yahweh and not grasp the depth of what really is going on. This is, this is talking about the Messiah, but it's yeah. making the Messiah Yahweh and yet making them distinctive from Yahweh
1: and the Spirit. So yeah. a clear Trinitarian
2: and,
3: one.
1: And it's explicitly seen there, of course, in that baptism passage yeah. where the Spirit comes down and anoints him, if you will. All right, and then
3: we can go into another really cool passage in Zechariah. You want to do that one again?
0: Sure. I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication, so that they will look on me whom they have pierced, and they will mourn for him. As one mourns for an only son, and they will weep bitterly over him, like the bitter weeping over a firstborn.
3: So read the underlined part again, just and see, and listen for the shift in pronouns as yep. she reads it.
0: They will look on me, whom they have pierced, and they will mourn for him.
3: Right. So, right in the middle of the sentence, it goes from me to him, and yet it's still making the same reference to the same person. And so, you have to work through the pronouns and. And you also have to acknowledge then there's this abrupt shift in the pronouns right in the middle of it. At first, the first thing you need to know is that the verse begins with I. I will pour out on the house of David, the spirit of grace. So we have to read backwards again. And if you go back to verse 1 of Zechariah 12, again, you finally come to where the I is being identified. And guess what? It's Yahweh. So, Yahweh is the one who will pour out the spirit of grace. But then, quoting verse 10 again, they will look on me, and this is Yahweh speaking, whom Mm -hmm. they appear, and they will mourn for him. And so, the me has to be Yahweh, there's no other way, uh, so that everyone is mourning for him. Now, the New Testament then turns around, takes that same passage and, and refers to it or uh, at least alludes to it in a couple of these, but it's a clear reference in John 19.37, Revelation 1.7, Matthew 24.30, and there's a couple of others, but those are the key ones, and it's clearly speaking of Jesus. So again, you have here the implication that Yahweh is the Messiah himself, or as we would say it, the Christ. But what's interesting is that in Zechariah 12.10, it makes a careful distinction with that pronoun shift to reveal that the referent is one, And yet, different. So, it's Yahweh, but it's not the Father. It has to be the Son because he's the one who was pierced. It wasn't the Father. It's it's a really cool one because it kind of like the who who will go for us or let us make man in our image. But everything's in the singular, but it's us talking. Yeah, and you're like he just has no problem shifting around. Yep, and so it's really difficult to miss the fact that it also references the spirit who is being described as a spirit of supplication and grace. So you have, again, a Trinitarian reference of Yahweh, uh,
1: the Messiah as Yahweh and the spirit of grace. Yeah, very clear. Um, Another one then we have uh, looking at the New Testament then is John 17, also known as that high priestly prayer. Um, He says, uh, I am no longer in the world and yet they themselves are in the world and I come to you. And then he requests, Holy Father, keep them in your name the name which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, and they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one, I in them, and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you have loved me. Now, there's a lot here, so we can't unpack that in in full. But um, what's important to understand is how intimate the relationship is between the Father and the Son. And and you see that here over and over again. Uh, So in verse 11, Jesus asks the Father to keep the people that he's about to redeem on the cross um, in the Father's name. Um, But this name then is also something or the thing which the father has given to the son. Um, So he says, Holy father, keep them in your name, the name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Now what's meant by that is rather complex um, and also fascinating. Uh, But in simple terms, it's simply speaking of the church remaining loyal or faithful to who God is. That is his name, his character, his attributes, all that good stuff. Uh, But having said that, the, the name of God is seen in its fullest sense, but in the person of Jesus Christ. Um, And so the only way that they can be kept in a manner that's faithful to that name is if they remain faithful to the one who is the perfect expression of the father, which of course is Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the purpose of his request here is that the church would be one, um, that there would be this unity that pervades the entire church in a continuous manner. So it's not just a unity of purpose, but a a unity of existence. Um, And it's built off the unity that's part of the son and the father
3: yeah it's the ontological unity of being that they both possess
1: mm-hmm.
3: in themselves and he says we are actually brought into that that state of unity um that's it, it again it's, it's very bizarre. complex yeah. and it's very heavy and we yeah. don't have the time nor
1: in a podcast would it work well but yeah it, there's a lot there but uh, hopefully they're following that yeah um so, so then the unity then there that he's speaking of is picked up again in verses 20 through 23. Um, and so, so it's a glory glorious passage, but in the sense that it speaks of this utter closeness that the church actually enjoys with the person of God himself. Um, notice we see the fathers in the son, the son is in the father and also the church then is in both of them. Somehow yeah. there's this unity. Yeah. Um, so yes, the father and the son are one, but they're also distinguishable. There, there's a there's a distinction that's being made here. Yeah. Um, so this also s- speaks of, of the equality of being for both of them. And that's another interesting aspect. So there's no sense of some kind of hi- hierarchy between no. these members of the
3: Godhead. Yeah. And by the way, these are the kinds of passages that the early church with like guys like Athanasius were working through where the doctrine of the Trinity finally got hammered out and worked yeah. through. Because they mean something. We have to work through what do they mean. Yeah. Um, and so that only talked about the Father and Son and that yeah. relationship of unity and also uh, sameness in, in being. So now we can see another passages, passage that does that with the Spirit and the Father. And so that's in 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 12. And since we've been having you read mine, why don't you do that?
0: Okay. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things freely given to us by God.
3: Okay, so here, not only not only is the Spirit is capable of revealing the mind of God, wait, let me say that. Better and actually properly. Um, (laughs) Only the Spirit is capable of revealing to us the mind of God. Nothing else can. And the question then is well, why? Well, because according to verse 12, the Spirit literally proceeds out from. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a preposition act, and so it's it, the spirit is literally coming out from the Father, and again we have this very intimate picture of this interrelationship, very much like the statement uh, about Christ in chapter twelve, verse one of John, where it says, or twenty-one, uh, verse twenty-one, it says, "I and you, and you and me." In the same way, you could say the Spirit is in the Father, and the Father is in the Spirit. In that sense, there's this intimate relationship. And that's why he alone is able to reveal to us the mind of, of God. Yeah. So, so now we have the father and the son having that and the father and the spirit having that. And again, now out of that, you can start draw, so, and you can begin to draw some basic conclusions right. about Trinity.
1: Right, yeah. right. Um, another passage would be 1 Corinthians 6, 11. This is just a simple one, but you nevertheless see the Trinitarian aspect of God. And let me just say real quick, as, as the people read their
3: New Testament, especially, they should pay attention to these, yeah. uh, because this is, it gets thrown in all the time, and, and we don't read it carefully, so they're just words, and we don't even realize we literally just read about the Trinity yeah. there. And, and so, yeah, it doesn't require a lot of
1: yeah. comment, but it's right there. You're like, oh, yeah. And they wrote it with such casualness. That's, I know. That's the... I, <laughs> the p- the part to get it's their their understanding of who God is is so robust and so much more full than just simply some father or yep. jesus or yep. you know whatever mm-hmm. you understand the spirit to be um, there's personhood here so in 1 Corinthians 6:11 he says and such were some of you uh, but you were washed but you were sanctified but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God, and again, you have that singular name right. of the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and in the Spirit of, of our God, not so, the names, right? So singular. it goes back to that Matthew twenty-eight concept, yeah.
3: um, and again, this justification is in in the Lord Christ and the Spirit of our God. So a yeah. very Trinitarian, simple statement. And then First Corinthians continues um, in chapter twelve, verses four through six. So Lena,
0: now there are. <laughs> Hey, hey, yes, hey.
2: sir. I need to hire a reader.
0: <laughs> you yeah, have just, a, a reader.
2: I'm just sitting right He's here. He's yeah. oh, you know, you, you looking at you want to do some reading? I'm attentively following along. I am not making memes. All right. Well then. <laughs> I am ready to read. Well, look, I, I was giving her my passages. Matt
3: really is just
2: being selfish. I'm about to pull some one splash and keep going on these memes, though.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I would. I mean, clearly right.
2: you've been dissed. I've just yeah, Remember, like us and review us on
0: <laughs>
3: iTunes.
1: Because of the scintillating <laughs> banter.
3: <laughs> oh, they're already turning us off. Fast forward, fast forward.
0: First the Corinthians twelve four through 6. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries, and the same Lord. And there are varieties of, of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons.
3: Right. So, again, very Trinitarian. Uh, Paul loves to do this, um, but what's interesting is that as you follow along further into the passage, you'll begin to notice how all three of these are flowing in text. Mark, would you like to read that?
2: It's oh, a long passage. Yep, I got it. Oh, jeez. Okay, here we go. Okay. All right, buckle in, guys. But but one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not part of the body, it is not for the re- not for this reason any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were a hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each of them, in the body just as he desired.
3: So it starts out there talking about the spirit distributing to each individually, then it starts working about how it's, it's Christ, and then at the end, it's God who is placing the members and giving them these giftedness within yeah. the body. And, and Paul, just like you had said earlier, Matt, he just effortlessly, yeah. casually just puts this in. So the spirits equal to being God and the Spirit of God are being described as the sovereign distributors of the gifts. And so the distinction that's made between the Spirit and God, there's a distinction, but they're also used interchangeably. And and so you see this level of equality between the two.
1: Yeah. Um another passage, 2nd Corinthians 13 14. Um, it's a short one, I'll read it. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all so it's kind of like a benediction it's um, not kind of like it actually is yeah i, I like to give myself an escape sort of yep. just yep. in case you know mm-hmm. i sort of don't understand it you know kind of like um and that yep. makes
0: me really encouraged <laughs> okay.
1: while you're preaching and yeah it's kind of like <laughs> <laughs> salvation yep. By uh, faithful. Listen, Trinity tr- <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Trinity taught you well to use weasel words. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Trinity being the
3: seminary, not yeah, that's the first thing you yeah. learn in seminary is after you make an absolute statement and you rip to pieces. Yeah. You start to Soften your words. So
1: it could be understood as. Yes.
3: Or it appears to to be. be, Yeah,
1: right. And you let the professor say it is. One could observe. Um, So so Paul's giving a benediction here. Why don't Um, you read that benediction (laughs) since we totally messed it up. Uh, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Um, And so notice Paul here is giving a distinction to each one of these members of, of the Godhead. And yet also giving them equality, um, and so he attributes something different to each of them, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And if we were preaching this, that
3: this is one of those passages that's worthy of an entire hour of preaching, absolutely, because it really does get in, and we'll talk about this in a later podcast, what's called the economic uh, yeah. trinity, the fact that though they're one in essence and, and equal in essence, they have unique roles. Mm -hmm. Roles, And this one lays it out so beautifully. In fact, we'll probably go back to this passage. Now, there's another one that's so long, we won't read it. Um, It's actually one whole sentence in the Greek. Um, It's a really cool passage in Ephesians chapter one, verses three through 14. So it's one solid uh, sentence. Uh, But in that, there, there's so much deep and wonderful theology, but actually, what he's writing is a Trinitarian passage. Um, the first set of verses, verses three through 6 we'll talk about the Father's work. And so, in verse three, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in, his, in the heavenly places by the Father. In verse four, He has chosen those whom He desired to save, but He doesn't do it in a vague way because in verse five, the Father lovingly predestined those chosen to become now his sons. And then in verse six, the goal of this would be that his grace would be known and we would praise him alone for his saving work. So that's the father, then Christ, becomes the second focus. So in verses 7 through 12, we, we learn about Christ's work and a couple of them. In verse 7, Christ is the one then who redeems us from the penalty of sin. So we're back in the economic aspect of the Trinity. The Father doesn't redeem us, the, the Son does. The Father sends His Son to do it. Uh, and then in verses 9 and 10, Christ becomes a revealer of the will of the Father. And then finally, He ends it all in verses 13 through 14 with the work of the Spirit. So, he's the one who seals us in Christ, and he becomes a proof of the fact that we are fellow heirs to all things in Christ. So, in this one massive sentence, he just works through the Trinity, and it's just there. And, and again, people's eyes pass over it, because they're so big on, it's talking about the doctrine of election, or predestination, or adoption, or redemption, that they've missed the bigger point. It's, this is our triune God at work, yeah. and, and what, what they have accomplished that is is such a blessing to us, their children. Yeah, his, and, and what, I, children. what
1: I love about that passage in particular, which is why we're even doing this whole series on the Trinity, <laughs> is the controlling verb that starts that thing out, which is blessed be, that, yes. in other words, praise. Yes. So, this yes, is yes, yes, an yes. issue of worship. So, the, the understanding of the doctrine of the Trinity is what fills out Paul's worship. Right. And so, we, we ought to take our in fact, I think the guy's name, he's a theologian, um, and
3: I believe he's really solid. He was back when he said this. His name was Scott Haifman. He, uh, he talks about that all of this is a doxolo- it, it, It's a theology that is designed to lead to doxology or praise. Yeah. And, that, and it's because
1: the controlling verb yeah. is one of praise. We need more songs written like this today. Yes. Um, another passage would be Ephesians two eighteen. through him we both have our access and one spirit to the Father. So again, Trinitarian, through him, meaning Christ, we both have our access in one spirit, and then to the Father. So all three members of the Trinity, again, are mentioned. And then uh, Ephesians four, four through six.
0: There's one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all.
3: And so here, Paul is talking about unity, And this is a unity that we're supposed to preserve. We're to be diligent in preserving the unity that we have in the Spirit. Um, And then he describes what that looks like. And it's the fact that we have one Spirit, we have one Lord, and we have one God and Father of all. So again, he he frames that critical reality of our unity that we have as Christians that's all built in the fact that we have this triune God. And so we look at their unity...
1: And we now become sharers in that. And we are to jealously guard that. Uh, Paul, again, in 2 Thessalonians two thirteen through 14, he says, but we should always give thanks to God for you. So again, this is just a, a thanksgiving to Paul. This is what he's thankful for. And he's talking about the reality of salvation. Brethren, beloved by the Lord, why? Because God has chosen you from the beginning. For what purpose? For salvation through sanctification by the spirit and faith in the truth. And it, boy, that's just a dense thing. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> there's so much there. And it was for this, he called you through our gospel that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so again, intermixed in all of this is father, son, spirit. Right. And
3: so that's our survey. There's others that we could do, but um, I think this will be enough. To sum, sum everything up, we we chosen to do several episodes because I don't think we can properly deal with the Trinity in one or two, um, not if we're gonna really treat it like it needs to be treated. No. And then in, in today, um, with the preaching we hear going on or lack of it, um, I don't think people are appreciating yeah. their, their, their God who is the only God. And so we've seen uh, that He reveals right at the very beginning of the Bible, this plurality, that He is mysterious, that somehow He is able to shift from singular to plural and yet constantly affirming His oneness. Um, But it also gets into something that we'll have to do another podcast later on, on the the concept of the process of progressive revelation, right? Because what starts out somewhat vague in Genesis, and you're like, wait a second, it's just (laughs) let us make man in our single image. What's going on there? It's not told. But then you're in Isaiah, right, or Zechariah, and you're seeing that Yahweh is sending Yahweh, who's now being pierced, who's also has the spirit. And so now you're seeing this Trinitarian. By the time you get into the New Testament, you start to see that full treatment, a very broad, robust uh, theology and and revelation of the Trinity. Yeah. So what we're going to do from here is I, I've already started to write up the notes that we're going to... At first, I wasn't going to talk about the deity of the Father, but I thought, you know what, we're going to talk about what the Bible describes of God as father, um, because I don't think we really think about the fatherhood of God like we ought yeah. to. So we'll just do a whole podcast just on the nature of God as father. Then we'll look at the deity of the son, and then we'll do another one on deity of the spirit. And then
1: we'll talk about the economic aspect of that Trinity. Yeah. I hope these yeah. are helpful. Yeah. And then also one of the things we talked about here, which is critical, I think, to understand, is we're not simply talking about God as Trinitarian, but God as triune. Right. Um, And I guess this will get into somewhat of the economics, but that everything that this God does, uh, who's one God in three persons, he does in unity. So there's no member of the Trinity that's rogue. Um, All three parts are playing Mm in a vital part to that one work of the one God for the purpose of bringing glory to this one God.